It's 2017, so that means Crossroads Christian Church is 50 years old. That's incredible. That's five decades of praying, preaching, and loving people. And hey, when you're 50 years young and looking this good, you've got a lot to celebrate. So let's do that together. Let's take a few minutes to remember what God has done in our church over the last 50 years. Our story begins with Paul Norse, pastor of First Christian Church in downtown Evansville, who had a vision to see the east side of Evansville impacted for Christ. Paul knew that the church he was about to plant on the east side would grow to be much larger than the one that he was currently pastoring. And that was so exciting for him. So in 1967, Plaza Park Christian Church was born into a rental home at 5520 Washington Avenue. Ron Warnemont was our founding pastor and he led the first service we ever had on Easter Sunday with 44 people in attendance. This home was a great starting point for us, but everyone knew it was only temporary due to its lack of space for growth. So over the next two years, we saved and were ready to purchase a piece of land on Bellmead and Cullen for $17,000. We were so proud to be able to pay that amount in full. It was then in 1969 that Plaza Park Christian Church became known as Cullen Avenue Christian Church. Over the next several years, Pastor Paul Norse's vision came to life as Eastsiders gravitated to Cullen Avenue to experience real community and life change. Lasting relationships were formed and family trees were altered as people heard the word of God, believed, and were baptized. One thing that's always been true of uh, Cullen and Crossroads is that we've always had good, strong biblical preaching from the pulpit. Uh, we also had a, a good music program. We transitioned in that time uh, also from hymns to choruses up on screens and slides for a period of time, but things that would uh, cause people to look up and worship. Uh, we also had a tremendous uh, group of elders who were willing to have a firm hand on uh, the reins in terms of where were we going but at the same time willing to let go of uh, tradition and do whatever it took, uh, radical things, uh, to sustain growth and to bring people to Christ. By the end of 1970s, uh, growth had begun to start happening, but then things just continued to build, uh, particularly in the uh, early 80s through uh, 90s. We just really uh, began to have a dynamic youth ministry, and Todd had come about that time. Uh, he was uh, he was uh, single and dynamic, and uh, was drawing uh, many many kids uh, to our program. Uh, being an elder at that time, the idea of not having Sunday night services was, wow, that's radical. But it was what we needed to do. So the building was. Uh, of a size that we just turned it all the way over to the youth. As uh, growth continued, uh, we were seeing our small parking lots uh, be very full. And it just, you know, led to a point where we finally said, we've done all we can uh, here on this property. And it's time for us to be looking to relocate. So that was it. We packed up our bags and moved to our new location at 10800 Outer Lincoln Avenue. Our first service was on October 31st, 1998. The first few years in our new building were led by a team of men who worked together to push our church forward. 
but we quickly realized we needed one voice to be a leader of leaders, to guide our church in a new direction. I remember like it was yesterday, the first time I walked into the worship center at Crossroads Christian Church as senior pastor, I remember just the feeling of walking into this room that night and just having a sense of anticipation, excitement about what God had in store for us and what God had in store for Crossroads. Those significant partnerships were very meaningful and constituted a great expansion, a broad expansion of Crossroads outreach with the gospel to the world. The generosity of the church family made it possible for us to expand our missions program significantly, to begin to implement the multi-site strategy to grow the church in different locations because we had pretty well maxed out here. Uh, and then the building project to create dedicated space for our growing uh, teen ministry, student ministry, and uh, to make it possible for us to reach more people and bring more people in. Church leaders must always live with two congregations, the one that is and the one that can be. It's kind of a here and there. You've, you've got to live in the here and now, but you also want to live with a sense of vision about what the church can become. And in that process, momentum is preserved. And momentum can be lost. And when momentum is lost, sometimes it takes a while to recapture it. We live in a generation when there's no time for momentum to be lost. I felt as though there was a need for newer, younger, fresher leadership for the church to lead out in those initiatives. Jesus makes it really clear in his word that we bring him glory, we bring him honor when we reach people who are far, who are far from him. And we all have people who are close to us but far from God, and, and we glorify our Creator when we take intentional steps to love people and to do our best to introduce them and connect them uh, to Jesus Christ. And when that happens, the church is built up. I, I'm excited about the fact that our, our story is not done. Our best days are still before us. And as great as these past 50 years have been, uh, I'm confident that uh, God has an even better uh, 50 years ahead of us. We are a church that is headed towards and will continue doing whatever it takes to reach people. And the other thing is that we are a church that is committed to bringing everyone along in this journey as we move forward as a church, knowing that our best days are, are still before us. As we stand in amazement of all God has done through our church over the last 50 years, we are filled with hope of how God will continue to use us in the years to come. So to each of you who have helped shape our story over the last five decades, thank you. We would not be where we are today without you. And to our God, who is exceedingly and abundantly able to do more than we could ever ask, hope, or imagine, we say thank you. We are your church, here to do your will, and we know that the best is yet to come.
Now, you probably don't recognize me, but my name is Patrick, and uh, I do own a suit, believe it or not. Can you believe it? I knew you would like it. I knew that this... <laughs> All right, I wore this for you guys, okay? Hey, it has been such a fun weekend celebrating all that God has done here at Crossroads over the past 50 years. And the truth is, today we stand on the shoulders of so many selfless men and women who have sacrificed in the past and have simply made themselves available and, and willing to do whatever it is that God has called them to do. I want to take you back to 1967, okay? Uh, our military was fighting a war over in Vietnam. Uh, John Wooden was the coach of UCLA. He had just won his third national title uh, as the basketball coach there. Uh, Frank Sinatra, in February of that year, recorded one of his most famous songs, Something Stupid was what it was called, with his daughter Nancy. How many of you remember that song? All right, a few of us have good taste in music around here. All right. And who could forget the fact that Donut Bank opened their first location in 1967? I mean, talk about something significant, you know? Now, this probably didn't make national headlines, but there was a movement that began in that home at 5520 Washington Avenue that over the course of 50 years would literally have an impact and a reach in all corners of the globe. Now... That little gathering that began on Easter morning, 1967, I, I can't imagine that the people that day would have imagined that, that things would have ended up in, in looking like what it is today, Crossroads Christian Church, 50 years later. But you see, the whole idea behind the movement of this church really began several years before when some leaders at the first Christian church had this vision and desire to reach the growing east side of Evansville. And so they asked themselves, well, what is it going to take to reach people because our city is growing out that direction? And so pretty quickly they realized that in order to reach people who are far from God, we actually have to be near them. And, and so we've got to go to them. And so from that moment, families and individuals left the comfort of first Christian Church and, and started Plaza Park Christian Church on Easter morning, 1967. Now, since then, a lot of things have changed. Obviously, we've changed our names. We're on our third name as a church. We've changed locations uh, several times, and uh, obviously, we, we've added a lot of new people since that time. But, but honestly, the most important things have remained the same. Okay, Jesus Christ is still the foundation of this church. He, he is still the one in charge here. The Bible, the, the Word of God is still our source of authority, and we will never apologize for simply proclaiming what it has to say. And no matter the decade that we find ourselves in, we, we've always done our best to run after this mission that Jesus said was most important, and that is to seek and save those who are lost. And, and so while a lot of things have changed, the most important things really have remained the same here at Crossroads. And for the past several weeks, we've been in this series where we've been uh, paralleling this anniversary that we're celebrating as a church with the 50th year that God told his people, the Israelites or the Jews, to set aside. Now, in scripture, this year was called the year of Jubilee, okay? And the year of Jubilee was, uh, ha had a bunch of celebrations and, and feasts involved in it. And there was a bigger purpose behind the year of Jubilee than just eating together or taking some time off work or resting. No, there was a bigger purpose behind that 50th year. You see, that was a year that God said, hey, set this time aside so that you can remember who I am, who you are. You can look back on your past and look at how your ancestors survived during different chapters in their lives. And you can see the common factor in it all. And, and that, that is me. And so during the year of Jubilee, here, here's a promise that God gave his people in Leviticus chapter 26. 
God said, I will look on you with favor and make you fruitful and increase your numbers. I will keep my covenant with you. You will still be eating last year's harvest when you will have to move it out to make room for the new. I will put my dwelling place among you and I will not abhor you. I will walk among you and be your God and you will be my people, God says. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt so that you would no longer be slaves to the Egyptians. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to walk with heads held high. Now I want you to notice right here how God reminded the Jews, the Israelites here of, of their past. Some significant moments in their history here, okay? First, he, he says, do you remember that covenant that I established with you? Well, what's that all about? Well, in the ancient world, a covenant was just a really fancy way to describe a, a relationship or a partnership between two individuals, two families, two tribes. And, and a covenant described that moment that, that they were entering into an agreement or a partnership with the, together. And so God was basically saying in this moment, hey, you haven't kept your end of the deal. You, you've walked away from the bargain several times, but I just want you to know that I haven't forgot the promise that I made you. I'm never going to leave you. Though you're a mess, I, I'm still going to put up with you, and I'm still going to walk with you. I'm still going to be your God. Right, the Lord then mentioned how at a particular point in time that they were slaves in Egypt under Pharaoh's heavy hand. And the Lord said, look, I not only delivered you, but, an, but I enabled you to walk with your heads held high. In other words, the Lord didn't just free the Israelites from slavery, but he released them from their shame. He released them from guilt. He, he restored their dignity and honor in a world where dignity and honor was a really big deal. And you see, for us today, no, no matter how broken the story of our life becomes, it's like God is constantly reminding us, hey, no matter the mess that you bring to the table, it's, it's something that I can deal with. It's something that I can actually free you from, and, and I can provide wholeness and, and healing. Now, God didn't just give his people a history lesson here to increase their knowledge or, or to bore them with some kind of lesson. No, there, there's a bigger purpose at play. He didn't just remind them of their past to, to make them feel guilty or to shame them for forgetting no, here's the point that God was making to the Israelites that's really relevant today for us as we celebrate our 50th anniversary. God was basically saying this, remembering what God has done, remembering what I have done creates expectancy for what God will do. All right, remembering what God has done, reflecting on the past and everything that he has done creates expectancy within us for what God will do. You see, this was the point of the year of Jubilee. God was basically saying, hey, set this time aside so that you can look back on how good I am. And when you see and you're reminded of those things, understand that the best is yet to come. You haven't seen anything yet, people, okay? And so when they looked back and they reflected on, on all that God had done... This anticipation, this excitement, this passion and, and thrill about the future would have been stirred within them about how God planned to use them in much bigger and, and greater ways. One thing we talk about a lot around here is that whenever we give our lives to Jesus, in that moment, we are freed from all past, present, and future sin. And so in other words, our past no longer defines us, those broken parts of our life that we want to uh, continue to hang on to that are really painful. Those things don't have control over us any longer. Right? We're no longer a prisoner to, to the bad parts of our life in the past. But you see, it's as if God is saying, hey, it's also possible for us to be a prisoner to the good things in our past as well. It's possible to be so consumed about what happened that you miss out on what I want to do with you in the moment and what I want to do for you and through you in the future. And you see, if, if our memories from the past supersede into the future, it, it's evident that we've kind of lost focus, that, that, we, that we're missing the point a little bit. 
Several weeks ago, I, I shared with you about how uh, our five-year-old son, John Ryman, uh, about a month ago, dropped a boiling pot of hot water on his foot and uh, burned his foot, a second-degree burn. I immediately threw him in the car, took him to an urgent care center. He's screaming and crying the whole way. And uh, the only thing I knew to do in that moment to calm him down was to promise him, hey, buddy, we'll go buy that bow and arrow that you've been wanting uh, later today, okay? Just hang in there with me. Well, I'm not the only one who bought him sympathy gifts, Okay. Uh, my mom and dad bought him a guitar that he had been saving for for several months. My sister sent him this stuffed animal a couple weeks later that uh, he really loved. He sleeps with every single night. My wife's parents sent him a, a box of candy. And whenever I told that story several weeks ago, many of you have actually sent him gifts to the office that I then have to take home and act like they're from me. All right? <clears throat> no kidding. I don't do that. Well, this past week, I think it was Monday, uh, he's opening up a gift that one of you uh, gave him, and uh, I, I just said to him kind of nonchalantly, I said, hey, JR, since you hurt your foot, it's been like Christmas around here for you, hadn't it? And he looked up at me, and without missing a beat, he said, yeah, it kind of is. In fact, I really want a Nerf gun. I haven't had a Nerf gun yet, so I think I'm going to burn my other foot. <laughs> yeah, we've kept him out of the kitchen since he said that. He's kind of on, uh, you know, room arrest a little bit. Now, I, to be fair, I think that he was kidding. He, he really wasn't uh, uh, being all that serious. But if he was, suppose he was, it would have been really evident that, that he was missing the point, okay? Why is that? Well, whenever we get spoiled in life, we have a tendency to lose focus, prioritize the wrong things, and, and think that it's, it's about us, right? You know, the Bible says that our Father in heaven is the giver of every good and perfect gift. Everything good in our life comes from, comes from the Lord. It, it comes from God. And, and you see, we have to be careful whenever we, receive, whenever we receive God's blessing and his favor in our life. Because what can end up happening is, is we look at those blessings, we look at those gifts that he's given us, and it can lead to entitlement. It can lead to pride. And all of a sudden, we think we're the point. And God's saying, be, be careful. Now, there's no doubt that, that God has blessed this church but it's not about us. You see, our story goes like this. God has used us in spite of us. The story of Crossroads isn't perfect. There, there have been some really painful and dark moments for us. There have been moments when, when our leaders didn't know if this church was going to survive, if we, if we were able to keep the lights on. And yet through our doubts, through our mistakes, and even tragic moments, we can look back and know that God has carried us through those times. He has been faithful to us regardless of what it is that we're going through. My first weekend as a lead pastor, I preached a sermon called My One Prayer for You, and, and I simply walked through a prayer that a guy by the name of Paul uh, wrote out for a church that he started about 2,000 years ago. It's found in the book of Ephesians, and you need to know that a week doesn't go by that I don't pray through this prayer on your behalf. I pray for you each and every week using this text, what Paul says, as a guide. And look at how he kind of ends this prayer. It, it reminds us that, that all that God has done is just kind of a foretaste of what he wants to do with us in the future. He says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Now there is no way... That those individuals on Easter morning, 1967, could have possibly imagined that, that what they were starting, what they were beginning in that house on that day was going to eventually lead to this. There's no doubt that God has done immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. And You see, we are where we are today because of the sacrifice of many in our past. 
And yet how can we even begin to possibly measure all that God has done through us and in us as a church over the past five decades? How is it even possible to scratch the surface on it? Because honestly, we could point to some attendance numbers. We could point to some different buildings or, or how we've partnered with different organizations over the years. But you see, none of those things really do it justice, right? And yet the one thing that you and I can't really argue about is a transformed life, right? And so this past week as I thought about how can we measure this, I thought about what if we just had a moment where we all show each other what God has done for us, through us, here at Crossroads. And so I'm going to say something, okay, I'm going to make several statements, and after each statement that I say, if it's true for you, what I want you to do is I just simply want you to stand to your feet, okay? And this is just a way that we're going to celebrate the changed lives that have occurred over the course of several years here at Crossroads. Again, it's not about us, but it's about what God has done through us, okay? So the first thing goes like this. And if you resonate with this, if you identify with this, I want you to stand to your feet. If you first met your spouse here at Crossroads, I want you to go ahead and just stand up to your feet right now. All right, look around the room. Isn't that awesome? Much better than last night. Good thing we aren't a dating service. All right, you may be seated. Awesome. All right, now this, this is going to require a little bit more courage, but I want to remind you what we talked about last week, that when we bring our brokenness to the table, rather than saying, how could you we hear, me too. We, we hear, I, I've been there before. I know it is what, what it is that you're going through. And so if God has used the people of Crossroads to heal your marriage, to rescue your marriage throughout a really difficult time, would you just stand to your feet right now? Awesome. Yeah, thank you. If God has used the people of Crossroads to maybe free you from an addiction or some type of a really broken past, would you just stand to your feet right now? Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Kathy. Yeah. All right, if you first met Jesus because of someone a part of this church, would you stand to your feet? Wow. <laughs> Awesome. All right, if you were first baptized here at Crossroads, would you go ahead and stand up? That's awesome. Great. Everybody look around. <clears throat> this past week I did a little bit of study to find out if it was possible to determine how many baptisms we have seen since Easter morning, 1967. And, and after going through several databases and collecting some data and getting some help from our staff, uh, I did come across a number. Now, before this number is thrown up here on the screen, I want you to, num I want you to understand that, that numbers really matter to God, and here's why. Numbers matter to God because every number represents a name, and every name represents a story that God longs to redeem and, re and bring back to him. And so since Easter of 1967, this church, Crossroads Christian Church, has seen over 4,927 people come forward and be baptized. Isn't that awesome? <clears throat> God, God, has been, God has been so good to us. And, you know, Jesus said that there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 people who, who are living right with God and they don't need to repent. And, and so what that basically means for us is that Crossroads, you have started many parties up in heaven. And that's a really good thing. All right? And, uh, and may, the, may that continue to be the case for, for us in the future as well. You know, since the beginning, Crossroads has always been about Jesus Christ. And you know what? A lot of people may fill our buildings on the weekend, but we are nothing apart from Jesus Christ, okay? 
Now, we may have really shiny lights and really cool stage design, but I want you to know that we are nothing apart from Jesus Christ. There may be several homes all throughout the tri-state region that, that meet together in small groups from Crossroads, but we are nothing without Jesus Christ. We may have a really good staff, a really talented staff, and, and we may have really effective strategies to accomplish this mission that, that we're running after, but, but apart from Jesus Christ, we are nothing. We may have really good resources. We may have a lot that God has entrusted to us, and we may have even been generous with some of those things in the past, but hear me clearly. We are nothing without Jesus Christ, all right? He is the foundation of this church. And you know, our culture is going to continue to change. Our culture is going to continue to evolve. And, and you know what? Our bodies are going to age. Chances are none of us will be around to celebrate Crossroads' 100th anniversary. The day that I retire, most people will forget my name from that point on. And that's okay. But you know what? The church of Jesus Christ will move forward because that's just what happens whenever he remains the focus and he remains the center of everything that we do around here. One time Jesus took his three closest friends to a certain city called Caesarea Philippi. Now this was a really intentional move on Jesus' part because he had a, a dialogue with the three of his friends that uh, was really monumental in the start of this whole church thing, Okay. And so they're in Caesarea uh, Philippi and understand that this was a very influential city. This city was like New York, Las Vegas, L.A., all wrapped up into, into one. It was the best the world had to offer. And, and so Jesus, at one point in this conversation with his three friends, turns to his buddy Simon Peter and he says this. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. You see, Jesus made this statement in this town for a reason. In other words, Jesus told his followers, hey, this town is the best the world has to offer. This is where all the influencers of our day live, and, and this is what pleasure is all about. But you know what? The day is coming when all that's going to fizzle out. It's all going to die out at some point. But I want you to hear me clearly, guys. The church, this community, this movement that I'm about to start, it's going to be unstoppable. And nothing is going to be able to contain it. Nothing is going to be able to control it. The church of Jesus Christ has always been unstoppable no matter what. And if you think about it, the most powerful, influential Fortune 500 company, years from now, eventually will no longer exist. Governments will fall. Dictators will be lost in, in history books. But the church of Jesus Christ will keep on going. And here's why. Because if beating his body with 39 whips and nailing him to a cross, leaving him for dead, hanging in the hot sun for several hours, and then spearing his heart, proving that he really was dead... And yet three days later, he came back to life. If, if that couldn't even hold Jesus Christ down, what possibly could pose as a threat? Jesus is unstoppable. He is sovereign. He has authority. And he started this thing called the church, and it will be unstoppable until the day that he says, let's all go be with him for eternity. You see, the story of Crossroads has just begun because there's so much more work for us to do. The, the best is yet to come. We haven't arrived yet. On the weekend of uh, June 18, 2006, it was a really significant weekend for me. Uh, my senior pastor growing up retired from our church, and that was his last sermon. He had been there for about 40 years or so, and on that weekend, he passed the baton uh, of leadership uh, onto uh, my girlfriend's father at the time. And, and the message that he preached that day was really significant. Now, you need to know that I just graduated from high school. In the fall, I was headed to college, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. I was a little bit directionless, and yet that day, my pastor growing up preached this message from 2 Timothy chapter 4, where he said, preach the word in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, encourage, and with careful, with careful patience and instruction. And, 
And I felt like he was talking right to me that day. Now, looking back, God used that message to call me to be a pastor, to invite me into his work in full-time ministry. At the end of that service that day, uh, my buddy Kyle came up to me and he said, Hey, Patrick, by the way, I, I want you to come meet my, my mom and dad. You, you haven't met them before. Okay. So I follow Kyle up to the front of the church and he says, Hey, mom, hey, dad, here, here's Patrick. Patrick, this is Ken and Kayleen Eidelman. Several months later, the elders here at Crossroads would invite Ken to be our church's next senior pastor. Now, I want you to fast forward about six years from that moment. I hadn't seen Ken uh, since then, and I happened to bump into him at a conference down in Orlando, Florida. My wife and I saw him, and uh, he began talking with us about what it might look like for us to join the team here at Crossroads. And, and throughout the course of the next several months, we began uh, the interview process and a dialogue about what it would look like to, to come on staff here. And, and i got to tell you, during that interview process, we were really impressed with the history of this church and, and the legacy and, and the foundation that's been laid here. But i got to tell you, my wife and I did not move all the way across the country from Dallas, Texas, in a place that we loved, because the place had a really great history. And we moved here because we believe that our future is just as bright, if not brighter. That our, our future, our best days are before us. Ken Otterman would go on to be our senior pastor here for about 10 years, and, and I think that I speak on behalf of all of us when I say that Ken really taught us about Jesus. He, he taught us the word of God, and, and you see, if you have been blessed by Crossroads Christian Church in any way over the past several years, you can thank Ken Eidelman. You see, Ken Eidelman laid this, continued to lay this foundation. He led our church through a lot of uh, change and transition and even difficulty. He, he poised this, this church for, for a lot of success in the future. He's a man of in integrity and character. He shows what leadership and, and pastoring is really all about. He, he's modeled for us what having a marriage uh, of so many years can look like and how it's possible to raise children to know and love and, and serve Jesus. Ken also showed us and taught us that it is possible for a man to spend more time getting his hair ready in the morning than women do. <laughs> That's true. And so Ken... On behalf of all of us, we, we appreciate what you have done. You have played a significant part in the story of here at Crossroads. And because of what we anticipate God doing in the future, it's because God used you in a monumental time in the life of our church and continue to lay this foundation here. Now, you see, remembering what... <clears throat> mm. Remembering what God has done creates expectancy for what he wants to do in the future and when reflecting on all the faithful men and women of God before his time or had either died or were killed or were martyred for their faith, an author of a letter called Hebrews says it like this in chapter 12. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, not fixing our eyes on the church or a leader, on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. And so the imagery that, that the writer used here to describe uh, the past and what God had done was this cloud of witnesses. And so you get the impression, the sense that, that the church of yesterday is looking down from heaven, cheering us on as we keep moving forward, as we keep running forth. Now let me bring this really close to home for us right now. You are here today. Don't miss this. You were here today because of those several individuals who took a risk and left the comfort of their church that they always knew and started another church in a different location back in 1967. 
And although we, we may never know specific names of people that played a critical role in our past, that's okay because we really aren't the point anyways. As we run together, we're to keep our focus on Jesus and Jesus alone. Now in two weeks, we're doing this again. We're starting a second location as a church on the west side of Evansville. And what we're doing in the west part of our community and surrounding areas is the very thing that started Crossroads 50 years ago. Now studies have consistently shown that the people have a greater chance of knowing Jesus and experiencing the church and getting connected to a local church if, if the location of that church is within a 12 to 15 minute radius of where they live. And so 51%, we know, of the tri-state region we're targeting over the next several years has either given up on church or has said no to Jesus. And so that means that, that over half the homes in your neighborhood, over half the homes on your street, are living without hope. The people that you work beside, people that you work out with at the gym, are headed towards hell. There's so much darkness. There's so much brokenness in our community. And so rather than coming to us, we're going to them. You see, since the beginning, the church was designed to be on the move to begin with. You see, the church is best when we're running after a common mission together. That phrase, alternative history, is a phrase that uh, sometimes historians use to imagine how different our world would be today if certain events in history were to have gone differently, if, if a certain event didn't happen, or if there was a different outcome, how would the world look differently today? It's a lot of what-if questions. And so I want you to hear me loud and clear on this, that we are becoming one church in multiple locations. We are starting Crossroads West in two weekends from now. Because years from now, we don't want to sit in a meeting and wonder, what would have happened, what would have happened to the people who are close to us but far from God if we had become one church in multiple locations? That's not okay. This is something we have to do. We can't not do this. A couple weeks ago, we challenged many of you, even if you live beyond a 12 to 15 minute radius of Crossroads West, to consider being a part of our launch team. This simply means that you choose to be a part of this campus, you attend there, you serve there for at least six months, okay? Many of you have said, I I'm in, that, I wanna be a part of it, and, and you sign up. Some of you are still on the fence about that, others of you have, have already said no, okay? And so regardless of, of where you are at, throughout this song that's about to be sung by, by Jeremy and our band, it's a song called Do It Again, just talking about the faithfulness of God, what he's done in the past, He's going to do again in the future in greater ways. Would you consider being a part of this launch team? Would you consider being a part of, of Crossroads West for at least the first six months, okay? And then after this song, our former senior pastor, Ken Ottoman, is going to come out here, and he's going to invite you. If that describes you, if you're a part of the launch team at Crossroads West, or you want to say, hey, I'm in on that deal, and you haven't even signed up, that's okay, you didn't come prepared, we just want you to walk forward after this song is over, and we're just going to have a moment of praying for you, Okay? But I want you to consider being a part of Crossroads West as this song is sung, and as you listen to these words that our band's about to sing. Well, let me pray for us. God, we stand on the shoulders of, of so many selfless men and women in our past. And God, in, in, in spite of our stories, in spite of the brokenness that we bring to the table, you've used all of us in some way so, Lord, as we look towards the future, we say, do it again. What you did in the past, we ask that you would do in even greater ways in the future because we live in a time, we live in a world where, where we are needing hope, we, we are needing love, we are needing that, that it is still possible, it is still possible to be connected back to our creator and to be shown that, that there is a better way to live. 
So Lord Jesus, prompt us right now to be the people that you want to use to reach more people in the future. It's in Christ's name we pray.